a big hand. This is the first half. If you're in the first half, then please join me. We, we are just really full of stories, and uh, we could all tell a, a whole lot of stories of our time away, but um, we are going to share some of the best ones with you. We hope that this gives everyone a great picture of what it was like, a bit of the life in Tonga, and in particular, and especially what God did in us and spoke to us and how he grew us. So, um, what? Station up here? Come across, tuck in, here we go. We're going to start with, it's my pleasure to introduce Luke to start, so here we are. Sweet. Uh, I'm Luke, if you aren't aware, um, and I would just like to uh, clue you up on what these are called, the tupeno. Um, We wore these out to um, when we had any sort of... uh, sort of ministry time we uh we wore these and so we took them to schools and also church and so this is why we're wearing them now um yeah but i would just like to uh share with you uh my experience and just a one of the many stories that we have um so yeah let's go (coughs) the team headed out on monday to um in the roach runner uh with 200 to 200 excited school children I should explain that the Roach Runner was a um, mildly cockroach-infested 15-seater white uh, Toyota van. Um, and don't worry, they only really came out at night, and they scuttled away when you opened the door. Um, but, so we didn't really have too much run-ins with them. Um, with that explained, uh, back to the school. This was our second trip to Upper Room School, which was... Uh, 20 minutes from Lafa Lafa, which was the YWAM base that we stayed at. And so there was a feeling of anticipatory excitement in the van and a little bit of nervousness. Um, It was uh, in our first visit to the school, we had been split up into two teams. And so it was our first time as a whole team uh, to visit the school. And so um, this time we felt a little bit more prepared for for our attempt to quench the the thirst of 200, 000, uh, 200 seemingly infinite youthful balls of energy. Man, they, they can run you around. Um, and so when we had first gone to the school, to be honest, I wasn't sure what, uh, when I first went on this trip actually, um, I wasn't really sure what I could contribute or what we would be doing. And um, I sure couldn't speak Tongan, um, and there really wasn't any MacBooks that anyone needed help with or um, any slides that needed designing. So, um, yeah, I wasn't really sure what I could give. Um, and, but when we were presented with uh, this nation of Tonga that had very little, and um, in this particular case, a couple of hundred beaming children that had been looking forward to this team of white palangi um, that they'd been told months in advance were coming, it became obvious that all we needed to have was uh, a heart to love others and a heart to serve God. And so with the second visit to the school, it was an answer to prayer for me. Um, Even after becoming fairly comfortable with the school children after the first visit, um, we had shared our drama and we'd... uh, given a story. We'd ate lunch with them and played many tiring games, but I hadn't felt like I'd related to them. 
and all made much of an impact. What was different with the second visit to the school was that I got talking with one of the kids, Madison, as we stood in the circle playing cat and mouse. I got to hear about the cyclone, how the cyclone had affected his family, <coughs> that having to move to an expen- expensive rental home after the roof of his house had been blown off. The situation of his dad having to secretly give him gifts after his mum had um, really sent him, his dad away. And so um, yeah, living with that is just sort of affected me and to hear what he shared to me. Um, he had told me that, um, that the kids were really going to miss us as we left and they would love for us to stay much, much longer and come every day and play games with them. This was ultimately a small thing for me to have done, to listen intently and care about one of the many children that I met. But it was the theme throughout um, our time in Tonga that in the kingdom of God, everyone has a purpose. Anyone can love others. And that because he delights and takes joy in our uniqueness into account, as we seek to serve, we get to play our own part. It will become even more clear as um, the rest of us share that um, as others, sorry, it will become even more clear as the others share that God uses the willing. Hi, um, I'm Thomas, if any of you don't know me. on Tuesday, day two, I had a severe bout of homesickness. I was a- only able to talk to the guys and receive prayer. On Wednesday, in our daily round of feelings and needs cards, which are c- one one card either has a feeling or a need on it, which help with talking about your feelings. So on Wednesday's round of feelings and needs cards, I said I needed courage. and our evening prayer, which was a pre-written prayer, we would each read a paragraph. Wednesday night as well as Thursday morning and evening, no matter where I sat or who started, I managed to read the prayer about courage. If that's not God talking to me, I don't know what is. Hi, I'm Hannah, and first of all, before I share my story, I'd really like to say a huge thank you to everyone who helped us, whether they have been donating money, constantly praying for us, or even coming to our fundraising events. We are truly grateful for it and wouldn't have been able to go without you, so thank you. Now my story. Day three, we were working on the base, weeding and painting, and unfortunately, I was feeling extremely sick. So much to the point where I had to go back to the house and sit down. While I was there, the YWAM leaders, Ruth, Richard and Hannah, came in with by a Fijian missionary. They talked to me about my sickness and asked if they could pray for me. I said yes. And they prayed in Tongan style, which is when you speak all at the same time. They did it the first time and after asked if I felt any better. I said no, thinking that it would just be better overnight. But to my surprise, they prayed again. And after the second time, I felt like the sea that was roaring in my stomach had settled down to just a little wave. 
I was amazed and shell-shocked all at the same time. I couldn't believe this happened to me, a 15-year-old girl from New Zealand. This event really helped gaining my full trust in God, as it is always easy to trust Him when things are going good, but it's harder to trust Him when things are going bad. Throughout the rest of the trip, my trust in God was constantly put to test, doing things that were way out of my comfort zone. But every time that happened, I reminded myself of the time I was healed by our gracious God and that I can really trust him through thinking. Remembering he has marked the path before us and all we have to do and all we have to do is trust him each step we take. Thank you. Sorry. Um, now, unfortunately, Christina McGill couldn't be here today, but she has made her story on video. So I hope you enjoy that. Hi, everyone. I'm so sad that I couldn't be here today to share with you about my time in Tonga. I had such an amazing time getting to know the people at the YWAM base and learning about their different culture. When I was trying to think of a moment that impacted me the most over the trip, I realised that it was all the little things that I felt God's presence in. For example, the children at the school that we visited, they were so happy and full of life, even though they didn't have very much. The way they got so excited to be around you and wanted to hang out made you feel so loved. Another thing was the sunsets. They were the best sunsets I'd ever seen. Such a common thing, yet such a great reminder on how awesome our God is. We also met a lovely lady named Pastor Luciola who, despite not having much, showed such generosity and hospitality to us. Pastor Luciola invited the whole team over to her small house for dinner. She put on such an amazing spread with heaps of yummy food. She showed me that no matter what the circumstances are, you can always show generosity to others. Throughout the trip, I was constantly reminded that God is in all things. I had such an amazing time in Tonga, and I will never forget it. Thank you, Christina. That's good. Um, I'm Jared. I was another one of the members that went on the trip, if you didn't know that. <laughs> um, so on day three, we had the opportunity to go back to the base, which was, you know, a pretty cool opportunity. So we all picked up like a brush or a hammer or a glove and gave our best effort at going back to the base. Um, this was quite, um, quite a personal thing for me as well because the guys at the base found out I was a builder and um, had been praying that someone would come and help them fix up some cyclone damaged roofs. Uh, I was pretty, like, bewildered by that. But, um, yeah, so on um, after that, hold on. Um, <laughs> I tried to memorise this in one night. It didn't really go quite that well. Um, yeah, they found out I was a builder and then were praying for, the, um, praying for me to come or praying for a builder to come, and um, I am really not remembering this. Um, yeah, someone related to those skills would come and help them. I was pretty um, sceptical about all that, because like, I'm only a year and a half into my apprenticeship, and didn't really feel that qualified to fix a roof. Like I haven't even really learned about roofs yet, which, you know... <laughs> <laughs> But before I could convince them that I wasn't good enough, they had me on the roof, like, teaching them how to, um, 
how to do this. I was pretty uncomfortable because I'm used to having technology to help me and all they had was a level, a saw and a pencil and, um, and a couple of hammers as well. That was, that was good. So you could hit some nails. That was good. Um, but yeah, so I got through it because I was just praying that God would help me um, and give me the right words to show these guys how to, how to fix the roof. And, and I managed to, like, I don't know if there's photos, no, there's not photos, but um, we fixed it, and it was good. After we fixed it, the guys told me how, um, how grateful they, work for, they were for, not the work that I did, but just the work that everyone had done over the base. Like, we made a significant improvement to the, the look of the base, which was really cool. And so through this, it really showed me that you, you don't have to be you know, like you, you're qualified to do God's work as long as you have a willing heart, and um, that was that meant a lot to me. Um, yeah, and that was shown through all the missionaries at the base as well. I think Bly was mentioned earlier. Uh, I, I loved Bly. <laughs> he was a Fijian missionary, and he was just um, he was really inspiring. He he invited me in for a coffee, and I got to ask him about how he hears from God and how he's able to trust his own ability to uh, hear from God and be obedient from that trust. And um, that was something I really wanted to grasp a hold of. And he told me the same thing I pretty much hear from all the other leaders and all the other you know people that you talk to for inspiration. <laughs> it's just that you just spend more time with God, praying, fasting, and worshipping until you can recognize God's voice. And, um, yeah, so that, that, was, that meant a lot more coming from by. Because you walked into his whale and everything in his whale was everything he owned. It was pretty, <laughs> cracked me up because all he had was a couple of pairs of shoes, a couple of pairs of, um, or just a couple of sets of clothes, a guitar, some coffee, essential, and, um, and a laptop, a really old laptop from like the 90s, you know, just to watch movies on, which is pretty funny. But, um, so yeah, he, he didn't. The reason for that is he didn't want anything to hold him back from being obedient, which is something I think we can we can all learn from. Um, so yeah, that showed me. That showed me. That made me really feel like I. Basically, the gist of it is I learned that I really want to press into God and learn how to hear God's voice, so that when God calls me to do this stuff, I am able to. So. Thank you for listening. We were all a little apprehensive about going on a prison visit in Tonga. But, uh, and also, just to the kids that are leaving, can I just, we're just about to do a little, little, little drama that we'd prepared. So if that's useful, it's just an offer. But anyway, so when we got to the gate, I guess it's some of our apprehensions about being at the prison uh, sort of faded a little bit. We we had images in our head of maximum sort of security, big ringed fence. Uh, reality displayed one of those uh, bars that you might use to lock access to a regional park car park. It was just like a, a, a um, yes, and a little hut with a little man and, well, a normal-sized man in a uniform. <laughs> And so he talks to the first car in our convoy of three vehicles, and uh, basically he was just let through, and then there was not really any checking of the cars and nor of our van, and so obviously that's how it works in Tonga. And we drove uh, up this extremely potholed um, road until we 
parked outside a very small uh, cinder block building with uh, the walls went almost up to the roof. There was a little gap and then there was the roof. And another way that we imagined a prison might be it was reasonably populated or at least somewhat populated. Uh, as we were invited in to join with, uh, it was a women's prison, so as we were invited to join in with the ladies there, we uh, learned that there were three prisoners uh, that were coming that we were sharing with and ministering to. And in all of these different ways, our expectations were flat out wrong. And that was one of the big themes for a trip, that we had these expectations of exactly how things might go. And then when we turned up or went to do them, they were very different from that. So instead of us uh, imagining ourselves sort of at the front of something with people sitting in rows of seats watching us, in this three by four meter room with um, flax on the ground, we sat in amongst all of the prisoners, and it was a really amazing time of being in community with them. Um, we shared our drama, um, but the, the main thing was that we went in with an American evangelist who delivered just a, what felt to us as, as quite a blistering message to these women that were in such a difficult circumstance. He, um, Yeah, he was reminding them of God's discipline and how God disciplines those that he loves in that prison is a great discipline from God that you should be grateful for. And that sort of, our Western maybe sensibilities were a bit like, oh, that's that's quite strong. Um, but afterwards, and he also made, he said, uh, shared from God, he said, I believe this is from God. And he said, I believe that one of you uh, will never hear a message like this again Um before you're out of this place and, and, you know, you have to get out on your own. And, and again, for him to offer a prophetic message uh, with, an, with a one out of three chance uh, was amazingly bold. And so that seemed at the time to be like, wow, this, this is amazing. And so after we shared at the end, there was a time for feedback. And one of the women just uh, was able to share with tears streaming down her face that she's been so encouraged that this message was for her and that that prophecy was for her also that she gets out on Saturday and that she needed to hear this message before she got out. And it's been a really great message toward her turning her life around and not going back. And so our expectations throughout the whole trip were just... um, Nothing, not even close, but in them we saw what God was doing and wanted to do. So um, I'd just like to invite the team up. We, we offered this drama at the schools that we went to and at the prison, uh, and it is a drama which displays what Jesus has done and how he brings freedom. So i just invite the people that are joining with that up, please.
It was really special when uh, all of the people in the audience, uh, the, the few people in the audience at the prison just cheered when, when Jesus rose again. And to see the real life of God in those ladies was something really memorable and special uh, to the whole group that we had a really, yeah, really helped us and, and, and grew us. So I want to invite the other members uh, that are sharing to come up as well and share their stories. Hi, I'm Olivia. Um, well, you probably don't know that. So, so <laughs> on Sunday, day seven of our trip, we went to Breakthrough Church Tonga. Um, by us, I mean everyone you've seen up here, our Pastor Toka and his children, and the local community who attend the church every week. We were really warmly welcomed. Beautiful singers and a special mention at the beginning of the service. Lots of people wanted to talk to us. At the opening of the service, Toka led with a speech about fasting. Now, fasting was something I'd actually been thinking about since the beginning of the trip, uh, even a little before then. When we arrived on the first day, there was a verse that spoke of fasting in the lounge area where we were staying. 
throughout the first week during morning and evening prayer, fasting was mentioned in multiple verses which I read. When Tolka mentioned fasting again at the service on Sunday, I truly felt that I had been called to fast, that it was something I was supposed to do. From that church service on the Sunday, I completed a two-day fast while we were in Tonga. Aaron actually wasn't aware that I was fasting for the first um, day, and because um, I, I didn't tell anyone, I know that's not the best idea, but I didn't feel that I needed to. When I did discuss it with Aaron just before I revealed to him that I had been fasting, we talked about a verse which um, I didn't get the name of, but it spoke about how fasting in secret was the correct thing to do. This just reconfirmed my belief that I was doing God's will and what he wanted me to do. Um, And also that church service, it was special to me in more ways than one. When we started worship, um, just to state it most simply, it was absolutely beautiful. Their singers over there, they have such melodious voices and despite the small size and number of attendees at the church, um, the belief of God within that building was so strong that it truly felt like he was there. I've never felt God's presence as strongly and all-encompassingly as I did within those 30 minutes of worship. The blend of culture, voices, experiences, emotions, pasts and history, all coming together because of belief, because of faith and because of him. It was such a blissful moment that ever since it occurred, I've wished to return to it with every single waking moment I have. That day, I truly learned to trust him and I truly learned how it felt to be in his presence. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Ashley, if you don't already know me, but most of you do. Um, So Tonga was an absolutely life-changing experience for me, and there's no words to fully and adequately describe everything that it was to us and all of the ways that God used us and he changed us and taught us new things and challenged us. Uh, just being, you know, spending 10 whole days just solely focused on God and service and being fully immersed in another culture was just so amazing. You just can't even describe it. Um, but on the fifth and the eighth days, we traveled as a team into Nukualofa, which is the capital city of the island of Tonga, um, to do some street evangelism. So the intention of street evangelism is to have meaningful conversations with people that you meet on the streets uh, just about God, uh, to lead it into a, providing an opportunity to provide or receive prayer, um, and just ultimately sharing the good news um, and love of Jesus Christ. And walk, So walking around a town or a city with the intention of sharing um, my faith with other people is something that I've only done once before and was something that most people in the team had never done before. I was nervous, unsure and really hesitant at the idea of approaching strangers and having an intentional conversation. I was worried that I'd have no words to say uh, to keep a conversation going or um, I would be laughed at or rejected by then. So before the second time that we headed out to do this, I was feeling particularly tired and was not looking forward to spending the next two hours outside of my comfort zone. However, I did feel that God was challenging me to share my testimony with somebody that I didn't know before going home. So I saw this afternoon as evangelism is possibly my final opportunity to do this. So Ruth, Christina and I walked the streets and had a few conversations with some people and prayed for a man that had a chronic knee problem. 
until we reached one of the main sort of hub areas of the town. Uh, So this was a zone where lots of people just sit around. They just hang out under a tree and watch the world go by. In New Zealand, when you ask someone, what have you been doing with your day? The the common response is, oh, nothing. Um, But usually we know that that nothing actually means something. But uh, in Tonga, when you ask someone, oh, what have you been doing today? They say, oh, nothing, just sitting here. That's literally what they've been doing (laughs) for maybe three hours or something. Um, So as we stopped near the tree, we were around sort of 15 to 20 people were just chilling out and doing their nothing. Some people were playing board games as well. Um, Ruth felt that God was calling us to share our testimonies with them. I was immediately filled with so much nerve at the idea of proclaiming my story in a public setting to such a large group. But I knew that this was my opportunity to be obedient to God. So I pushed past my hesitation and just went for it. I shared in my biggest, bravest voice that I could muster about how I became a Christian, um, the way that God had set me free free from things in my past and had taught me um, who I really was in his eyes. So this is something that Ruth and the YWAM leaders called street preaching. It was such a rewarding and encouraging experience, um, and I just felt so immediately filled with joy uh, during and afterwards as well, and so much confidence because I had been obedient to God by just stepping out of my faith in a really big way. It was nowhere near as frightening as I had built it up to be in my head, and the reward of prioritizing, proclaiming God and his goodness over my own feelings um, and my own hesitations was just so sweet. Um, God can really just use anyone in any place and at any time, but we just have to be obedient to the call. Um, So another one of our team members, Elijah, unfortunately wasn't able to be here today, so he's done a video if we'd just like to take a watch. As a 15-year-old, a big chunk of my life revolves around my phone. Now, 11 days isn't a short time. To me, as a full-blooded Westerner, it was a modern-day fast. But to my surprise, I can honestly say fully disconnecting from everything back home and fully immersing myself into the Tongan culture was easily one of the best things I've ever done. And I know going on a mission trip is a bit of a quiet expectation to do everything you can. But instead, I just went with the flow and let God lead me and speak through me in the ways that I knew how to. Whether it was painting, having conversations with locals over bonfires, or even when we were working hard to restore the many fellows that had been damaged by the cyclone. A big part of what I feel like God used me for was the kids. Over recent years, I've worked with all types of kids. Whether it was the swim teaching job I started this year, or coaching kids through my old football club. Every day in the evening when usually I'd be on my phone or at a football training, I was with the 11 kids that stayed with us on the base, either rocking them up before dinner or just talking with some of the older ones about how their day was at school. This is just a very small chunk of what I experienced on easily the most impacting trip I will probably ever go on. But just to finish my little segment, I would like to say thank you to everyone who prayed for us and made this trip possible. I'd like to say thank you to especially the leaders who helped guide us and lead us through the trip that was Tonga. Malo Alele, uh, I'm Rebecca. Uh, the moment we arrived, all the moments in between, and the moment we left, I was completely overwhelmed with how generous and loving the people of Lafa Lafa were to us. In Tonga, there are four special occasions that warrant a banquet-style meal. 
a wedding, a funeral on Christmas and when guests come. And in the 10 short days we were staying at Lafa Lafa, they blessed us with two extravagant and incredibly generous banquets on the first and last night. To arrive in a place that was so foreign and to immediately feel so welcomed with open arms was the beginning of a time I'll truly never forget. It's so hard to pick one favourite thing about Tonga, but when I look back at all the wonderful things that made my time so special, the best moments were always sitting around a table in Lafa Lafa sharing a meal together. On the first night, we were all exhausted because of travelling and playing with the most energetic kids for hours that have been mentioned. (laughs) They were so excited that the palangi from New Zealand had finally arrived. Our dinner was promised to be at 6pm, and by 8.30pm, there was still no sign of readiness. That was our first true dose of island time. (laughs) But by the time our dinner was finally served, our previous complaining was put to shame, because what we saw in front of us was hours and hours of time spent preparing just for us. We had slow-cooked pig, sausages, which is a very luxury meat in Tonga, yams and fresh coconuts were served up to form an absolute mountain on each plate. The dining room that night was full of laughter, joy and community. Everyone just kept saying, we're so blessed you're here. We've been praying for you to arrive safely for three months now. I don't know what I was expecting Tonga to be like, but everything that happened in the first four hours of us arriving completely blew away all my expectations. I remember walking back to our whale afterwards with a full stomach and such a happy heart. Day after day, we were blessed by the people of Lafa Lafa with such extravagant meals, with food far more expensive than they could have ever afforded. Having endless conversations that gave me encouragement and love are the moments that I'd love to go back to in a heartbeat. These mealtimes became so important and so valuable to me that by the time the last one came, I wasn't ready to say goodbye. In Tongan culture, there is an open floor for speeches and songs at farewell dinners. At our last dinner, every single person from Lafa Lafa said how blessed they were that we came and how we taught them so much. But for me, it was the other way around. Those 10 days were the most life-changing and impacting days I've ever had. To listen to each of these stories about trusting God so much that you sell everything you have, move to another country as a missionary was just the most inspiring thing. In my farewell speech at the dinner, I said that I was so grateful to God that it was Tonga, that we could have chosen anywhere in the world to go, but he put us there for a reason, and now I can so clearly see what the reason was. It was to have moments like these and to share in everyone's company. I feel so blessed that we were able to share our experience with those people, to learn from them about how to live a truly God-honouring life and trust him with everything, to learn how to love others and share every meal, just talking, listening and caring about each other so deeply is the model of community that I'm so inspired to create and live by. Our trip was made so much richer by living in community with other people so passionate about God and mission. When people have asked me how my trip to Tonga was, I found it really hard to put my experience into words. But what I can safely say is that what I experienced in that dining room in Lafa Lafa was a piece of heaven on earth, and I thank God every single day for letting me be a part of it. Thank you. (laughs) Malo. So now I'd like to invite the rest of the team up. we are going to sing a song that we sing in Tonga. It's called Te Aroha. It's a Māori song. Um, 
And at our farewell dinner, there was um, quite a lot of an exchange of songs. Um, that was one of the ways that they love to bless their guests, and so we um, sang this song kind of impromptu. Um, and so Te Aroha, the song means uh, peace, hope, and love, and I think that they are three things that really just encapsulate our time in Tonga. So um, if you know the words, feel free to sing along. Uh, yeah. So as Rebecca talked about, one of the things that I was truly astounded by was how genuinely, mutually beneficial the exchange was in our coming and receiving uh, and also our coming and giving to uh, the YWAM base at Lafa Lafa in Tonga. It was, it was amazing. We, we had this mindset, I guess, that we're coming to um, try things out and, and hopefully grow as much as we can, but to re- come in and be people that had been being prayed for for three months, for six months, um, to have Jared come along and then just be so stoked on having a builder, to um, having Richard, who was one of our uh, hosts from Mission Adventures, be an electrician and spend most of his time whilst he was there that he wasn't driving us around getting a third of their buildings back on the grid um, was amazing. And to see what we had to offer and for all of us to be so encouraged that we had so much to offer uh, was really eye-opening and um, really special. I just want to share one particular story about that. Uh, Rebecca's talking about the final banquet where we had a chance to do lots of sharing about things, uh, about uh, all that we had learned and grown in. And... Thomas uh, was the last of our group to get up and to say something. And he was, public speaking is a new skill that Thomas is, you know, just giving a try, giving a little, having a taste. And it was a big thing for him to get up and share. And so as we got up, I was able to share some words on Thomas's behalf and, and he was able to say a few thank yous and stuff like that. But through uh, about three or four of the women were almost in tears talking about Thomas, talking about how they couldn't believe that a Palangi boy of 14 would be going off to Tonga to tell people about Jesus. 
And there was a lot of um, the kids that have been mentioned that were the families on the base. There was a few, three or four of their kids were sort of 11, 10, that sort of thing. And these women were getting up and going, wow, would I let my son go to do a mission? Would I let my daughter go? And it, it was so precious to them that Thomas had come. And, and to the rest of us, it was amazing that there was nothing in what Thomas did that caused that. It was just his going. And that was really, like, spoke to us about how it's truly God that does. It's truly God that goes before us. And it's God that uses us. And sometimes we notice it, and sometimes we get to say thank you. And, and But other times it's just him that's authoring these things. And so I just wanted to share that about Thomas. And, and also, it's no coincidence to me that it was Thomas that had a great big impact with um, all of the energy and effort that Tim and Anita put into fundraising and joining with us. So thank you to you guys. And if we could just uh, give it up for Tim and Anita, please, just to honour what they did. I was really proud as the person leading this trip. Uh, Toka was our uh, liaison from the base, and he knew everyone in Tonga, I'm pretty sure. He was in the business community, the church community, the uh, exporting, the importing, all of that sort of stuff. He was a a short man with um, a large sort of torso and and underrepresented arms as far as length was concerned. But he sat me down to have coffee uh, on the last day, and he said, I want to tell you a couple of things. And I was like, it felt to me like, "Uh uh-oh, like, oh. And he said, you know, I want to tell you two things or two and a half things that you guys did. And he's like, first thing was that you came and you ate the food. And he said, when it's a missionary, if you're going anywhere, if you're being a missionary, you've got to eat the food. Like, that is so much of the culture of a place. And he told a story of how he, he was a missionary to India for 13 years. And when the locals there found out that they didn't eat rice and have chili in Tonga, but that he'd been doing that with them, that that was, that was the first big moment that he got trust from that group. And so for us... Of course you eat the food that people give you. These guys were awesome. Sometimes we couldn't tell what the protein was, but, you know, it was a mystery. It was a sort of a game. But we ate it and we enjoyed it, and that, just that thing ministered to the people that, okay, well, we can. He, he said, if you hadn't have done that, your trip would have been shot. It wouldn't have mattered whatever our skills that you had. If you hadn't have eaten our food, then you wouldn't have been able to, like, uh, yeah, nothing would have happened here. And the second thing... Um, was that you wore our clothes and uh, you worked really hard when we were having times to serve. And so I just wanted to pass that on because I want you to know that you can be really proud of these guys and Christina and Elijah for the way that they acted and lived and conducted themselves while they were away. And I just want to finish with one last thing. Uh, it hasn't maybe been too clear, but we had some really uh, strong... Uh, disciplines or um, community times um, or rhythms, let's use an Anglican word, uh, to our trip. Um, There was, uh, in the morning, we had uh, a prayer book which had a a morning prayer. Uh, Somebody would share a devotion. And then in the evening, we had a set of these cards that are made by Soul Tour, which uh, have, there's like 58 feelings cards, words that describe a feeling, and 56 needs cards. And so you pick one of each and you share with the group I'm feeling like this, and I need this. And it's just a great way of um, sharing and feeding back. And for me, as, as a youth uh, leader, I, I want to have these transformational times. I think that they're so vital and important. 
But I just wanted to finish with, and you know, it's a Mother's Day day that we're focusing on family. What are the ways in which we are forming ourselves? You know, transforming, changing from one thing to another is great, but what are we doing each and every day to form Christ in us, to form the life of Jesus in us? Are there things like morning prayers and evening prayers that you can incorporate into your rhythm of your family day at breakfast or at dinner? Are there devotions that you can start to share with your kids or share with your husband or your wife or or your sisters or, or whatever your context is, because there is um, so much richness in that. One of the young people said, like, oh, it really feels like I can make it here because we're, like, praying every, like, two or three hours together. We're always praying. We're praying before we do something. We're praying before we eat. We're... And I just thought, well, you know, there's nothing Tongan about that. You can... You're allowed to do that at home too. And, but how are we facilitating that? How are we doing that in the community? So once again, thank you for your prayer and your support and your giving. Um, we really appreciate it. And so um, I hope that there has been something today that has encouraged you and that you can take back as a little gem from um, deposited by us here today. So thank you very much.